1: Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I
0: am comedy stunt performer Matt Baker. And I am comedy magician Louie Fox. We are both performers at the Moisture Festival. The Moisture Festival, if you're
1: unfamiliar, is a four-week festival celebrating variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. It is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features
0: some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens... In the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, the Moisture Festival also hosts a week of burlesque shows. If you're
1: listening to this during the festival, be sure to buy your tickets now, because 95% of the shows sell out. You can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website MoistureFestival.org. On today's Moisture Festival podcast, we have the amazing Tina Leonard.
0: Yeah, and just a quick heads up, we're recording this in February of 2021, and we're doing this over the phone and a little bit over the internet. So if there's any fuzziness that is why.
1: Yeah there might be a little scraggliness but that is what's going on that's why we're not doing it in person with Tina but she does talk to us about growing up in Venezuela how she developed her unique brand of magic and how she took it all around the world for over 40 years she's been doing uh, performing at venues all across the globe. And if that's not enough we peppered
0: in with a little bit of goat
1: yoga. Yes <laughs> <laughs> let's get to it. Let's do it. Today on the Moisture Festival podcast, we have a woman who is a legend in the magic world. She is a regular performer at the world-famous Magic Castle, where she was voted Stage Magician of the Year by the Academy of Magical Arts. She has performed worldwide from China to Monte Carlo, and now we have her on the phone. We have the amazing Tina Leonard. Yay! Tina! Woo! <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Now, um, we have spent the last hour doing a deep dive on your life. <laughs> I'm very excited. So you do a variety of different things in your performances. You do magic, mm-hmm. mime, you interweave recorded music, and you play your own instruments. You play harp and guitar. Is Am I... Accurately describing what you do.
2: That looks like what I'd want what I wish I was, what I would like to do like really well. Yes. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you.
1: Well, from what I've seen, you did all of them phenomenally.
0: Doing it really well <laughs> with a downgrade from how you do
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, I, I I've been a s I have been I kind of discovered in my teens, late teens, actually it took a while. It took it from my mid teens to my mid-20s to figure out that if I could just do things that I love to do. Uh, And even with my interest change, they change. I count at least every ten years, I go to a completely different place. Oh,
3: that's cool. uh,
2: In terms of my interest goes, just my curiosity takes over, and I've been so fortunate that. My curiosity has been really good to me. It's kept me from having to get a job, <laughs> and because I, I've been able to get by as well as I would like to, uh, just doing the things I love to do with my, self-expression. I mean, what more could I ask for? Absolutely, than to um, have self-expression be my mode of income.
1: Well, and to, for you to realize that at a young age, I feel like some people don't even recognize that in their entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for you to
2: well, have the. Well, I, I almost. Missed the chance because I I had decided that I wanted to be practical after high school, so I enrolled in uh, secretarial school and I became a secretary because I figured that you know there's always room for that. <laughs> Learn how to type and do all that good stuff. And about and I loved the school. I loved the learning part. That really piqued my curiosity. Just you know how to how to manage things. And then after about a year at the mortgage company that I was working at, I, it hit me that. This was not right. I remember specifically the day I went into the ladies room and my hair was all done up and I was wearing this, you know, suit and, and nylons and high heels and all that. And I'm looking in the mirror going, is this me? Yeah. Do I want to do this for the next 30, 40 years? I don't think so. So I uh, immediately had a talk with my parents because they had offered me, uh, I, was, I was a classical guitar major at the time. I mean, I wanted to be a classical guitar major in college, but mm. that didn't seem practical so
0: (laughs) it's not practical (laughs) so what was the
2: minor (laughs) well you know it can be for if you're really a a virtuoso but i knew i wouldn't be anyway um that's what i discovered anyway but i just i said i i really don't think i'm a good secretary i think i hate this and i think i have more that i can do and they said sure so they helped me you know pay for my college education and support me for the during the college
0: time so at your peak of um secretary (laughs) How, yeah. what was your yes. word, what was your peak words per minute
2: oh uh probably 60 or something oh accurate words per minute dang that's, that's pretty
3: good
0: how do
2: you even know stuff like that <laughs> you shouldn't have to know that
0: <laughs> and then what what are your current words per minute
2: oh gosh Um uh, much much quicker than what i can uh, cause here's what it is my handwriting is so bad i've been saved by by the keyboard so ah. i'm pretty good at it and i like that i can make mistakes i mean back then it had typewriters and and what do you call that stuff that that white stuff that Oh you the white out right.
1: you had to pull it out Yeah, wide wide out. It out. Yeah. yeah
2: and that was really not nice so no i'm definitely better on a keyboard than i am um, <laughs> uh, handwriting is so but yeah no the the skills were really good for me i mean i totally uh, i'm glad that i went through that because mostly because it taught me what i didn't want to do yeah. that yes i want to be practical but is there a way that i can be practical and still make a living doing what i do so my idea was that I was going to teach guitar, which I didn't know. Thankfully, that the mime came along <laughs> just in time. We discovered that, <laughs> that mime hit me like a brick when I decided <laughs> I needed to be a mime. So that saved me from that. Although, you know, but then I, you,
0: people, yeah, I I'm mean, sorry. you were part of a band at one point, right?
2: Oh, yeah, um, that's well, that's actually that was my first, uh, I, I, I like to say, coming out as a uh, someone that really wanted to be on stage. I didn't no i knew i wanted it but i just didn't figure i could ever do this so uh i got there was a, a girl that um she, she was a piano player and she wanted to start an all-girls band because um you know that she thought that would be a novel and it was we're talking 1965 here mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm walking down the hallway you know like going on my way to class and she stops me i knew who she was she was like one of those real popular girls mm-hmm. so she says do you play do you play electric guitar and i said yeah and then she says, do you want to be in a girls rock and roll band with me? And I, I, I went, I was hesitant, you know, cause I was afraid of being bullied. I thought she was, it was a gag that she was going a
0: Carrie situation's about to go down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, I thought, well, uh, let's see, yeah, I said that, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to do it. And I, I just thought I would take that chance. And I thought, well, why would she ask me? And then I realized that it, there was, we had 3000 students in the school and I was probably the only girl guitar player in the whole school. Uh. So, by default, is why she asked me, not because she had any particular interest in me. So then I go, you know, that's what did it. I have to do things that are for me that that aren't that not necessarily I'm not necessarily purposely do weird things, but just kind of see what happens, what what talks to me, what speaks to me. Yeah. And that is when it, I, that little thing hit me like, yeah, I, I there's a chance that I could be me. And still survive, you know, and, and actually be popular being me, even if I don't have to be in the crowd.
1: Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm i not a magician myself, but I'm friends with a lot of magicians and they speak so highly of you, almost like there's reverence Ooh. around,
0: you know. Oh, my
2: God. Well,
0: when I was a kid, <laughs> I went to magic camp. Yeah, uh, oh
2: man, I love magic. Are you? Like, I went to Dave Goodsoul's
0: ma- magic camp and you were one of the people that oh, came in one night.
2: Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that was amazing. That but oh, I was talking about magic ca- Tannins. I've been at Magic Tannins camp a few times. Since. Yeah, you've it's been, been lovely at, you, there. It is.
0: You went to Good Souls, I'm ninety nine percent sure.
2: I remember it was out the wild, yeah. I yes. remember going there.
0: Yes. You you uh, made an impression on Louie here. So <laughs> Oh
2: wow. Yeah. I um, you know, If other performers do this, we go we do these things and then we, we I was mostly worried about how am I doing? Am I doing okay? Can I do this? I'm so self centered that I didn't even think that I would make an impression on anybody you know it's it's weird isn't that that, yeah. that we come in there with a different for a different reason than you're there so yes. I, I, I'm really glad that you said that because maybe you didn't pick up on my selfishness. Well, <laughs> no, oh, <my> one <laughs> of the things that you had
0: when you talked to us, one of the things you mentioned was how hard it was. So you, uh, so a little context, you do an act, um, that's called what? Mr. Montman. Just it's yeah.
2: Mr. Montman. I, I have to respect him. Cause he's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> he's, <Yeah. laughs> but you mentioned at the end,
0: he kind of turns his head and kisses you and what the technological challenge it was to make that happen.
2: Oh yeah. I, you know, it's funny. i remember that night. I remember the light man. Went out too soon before you had a chance. So, did you actually see that? Are you? I don't sure? I remember, so
0: but you talked to us about it. Like the I next did day. talk
2: about it because that was in reference to listening to other people, and whenever someone talks to you and whether if they're giving you an idea, to, to always listen. Yeah. Because that moment's going to come. Your most important moments are going to come. And you guys as performers probably maybe from hecklers. Yeah. those <laughs> are the, the best lines. See, I didn't have hecklers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get heckled pretty uh, often, and I'm sometimes I'm yeah. just like, you know what, you should be up here. This that was really funny. <laughs> no, a,
2: you need to think of that as a gift. Yeah, because, absolutely. Yeah, ab- I mean, you have to. You, it's not their fault that this, you know this our responsibility anyway. So, yeah, um, the act took about about three or four years to put to get to, to, to like kind of gel. Okay, and that was an actually idea. Did I tell you the story how how that happened? It was David Copperfield's idea. No, Did I tell you that story. Oh, wow, let me tell you that one, because it was a really good uh, thing that I like to pass on, because these things can happen. Um, I knew David, I know him, so he, and he came to see the, a show that I was in, and he came, after, he came backstage afterwards to talk to all of us, and he, he said, oh, that act is really beautiful, and um, I wanted to cry, but I couldn't. You need to do something to make me cry. Ah. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, Mr. Copperfield, give me. <laughs> it's like you, you tell in a nice way. I said, please tell me, give me an idea, give me one idea. He says, well, how about? And he stands right in front of me, like his face is right in front of me. He goes, how about if he leans over and he kisses you? I mean, and that was his face right in front of my face. And I go, like, whoa. And I got goosebumps. I thought, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. I'm to throw a little more context. So in this act, a mop becomes a person yeah. and tries to impress so lo- you with like magic It's a love tricks. story, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like a prince charming. She's Cinderella, and prince charming comes to life, and he, he just turns his head, the, the mop. Yeah, the mop head turns and it, it, it simulates a kiss. Okay, don't, I'm not really into that. But he, <laughs> the, the, the act. The it act was the 70s. The, <laughs> as Picasso says, the, 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 "The lie reveals the truth." Of anyway. <laughs> It was such a, when he said that, and I thought, yeah, okay, now how would I do that? And right next to us is Don Wayne. Ah. And I don't know if you know Don Wayne, but he is, the he was, sorry, he passed away a while back. Um, He is the master of bringing inanimate objects to life. Mm -hmm. So look over at Don, and I said, Don, is there any possibility? Because David was saying, oh, you can use them. what remote control he started giving all these technical ways to do it and i'm thinking yeah me technical uh, <laughs>
3: what
2: could go what else could go wrong right so john said yeah yeah and we were this was atlantic city and we were all going to go back to la soon so as soon as we got back we were all back i John says bring your stuff over to me he took it into his garage and he devised this talk about foolproof method of making that head turn mm-hmm. and it's Never failed me, wow. except that when the guy turns off the light too soon. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> they think, no, they seriously they think the end is the hug. I mean, which makes sense. That's the end. But the coda, the actual cap, is when the 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 mop moves his head and he covers my face with his head. Oh. So, it, it, and then there's a blackout, and then I come. I then when the light comes back on, I'm in an evening gown. So uh, it has that's that nice kind of ending. Oh, that's
1: nice. Um, you know.
2: Anyway, anyway, so, anyway so that that's what it is. Um, and the, and the live act and anybody that has any sense to keep it keep the camera on for another fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome that
1: you. I mean, that was probably you were a kid, right, Louis? Yeah, I was mean, like that, fourteen or fifteen, and you remember that specific moment
0: when you're like, Well, I remember her talking about it. And but it, no,
1: but she remembers that the yeah. <laughs> lights went off in the show. I
0: mean, like just, you've done isn't so that many weird shows. How we,
2: we remember things so differently. And that's what I love about talking to people uh, from that era, because it kind of puts me in perspective, kind of thinks, wow, you know, that, that did matter. Anyway, that goes back to saying, be, make, find friends that are better than you. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> that that's, are
2: smarter. That's
0: why Matt hangs out with me. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> that's exactly the reason. <laughs> While we were researching you, we, you, you were born in Venezuela. And um, we didn't quite know. Uh, you, you have American parents. What were they doing down in Venezuela at the time?
2: During the, my and the late 30s, I guess it would have been. Uh, there was a big oil boom in Venezuela. At least oh. people were aware. So my dad was going to. Um, he was at Texas. He was in I think the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was starting to be a zoology major. And some guy walks up to him and says, "Hey, uh, would you like to go go to Venezuela and work in an oil field?" And he just lit up. He says, yeah, I want to be out in the jungle. I mean, he was that kind of guy. He's he like, wanted to be
0: Technically, it's out. dead animals,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So anyway, he, he was all up for that. And this is during World War II and all this. And so that was a great way to not even go. Well, that, they had different ideas about war then. But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He got to go to Venezuela. And my mom um, reluctantly followed, but she, she went back. And so they lived in the oil fields looking for oil. I think it was called a wild catter at the time. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I were both born down there, and we lived there. Uh, by the time I was born, we lived in Caracas, Habitat, and we were there until the see, late 60s. Um, that is when it was about to become a dictatorship. So they got, they said, you know, let's get an early retirement. My mom said, let's move to California, and I said, yay, and that's what we did.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I know I'm going to be in a surf rock band.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. See, I didn't, yeah, that was a kind of a foretelling. I didn't he was thinking, well, well, I'll just move back to Texas, and my mother's, uh, uh, we're not going back to <laughs> She's Texas. Like, I went to
1: Venezuela <laughs> for ten years. You're gonna do? You're gonna... We're going to Cali.
2: <laughs> and she said she, without even knowing it, they you know, we'd never even been out here, but she, what she, between the weather and the culture, she says that's where I want to go. Yeah. So it was great. That was probably that my mom was just the best in terms of two things: one that I went to school in Spanish, so I became. Quite bilingual because I was school is in Spanish and home is English mm. American I should say a Venezuelan American totally different sound. <laughs> and uh, so um, yeah that was just a blessing it's such a blessing when when somebody can live in two different countries and get a feel for what it's like
1: yeah what an interesting but, sort of upbringing you know the, oh my god American I, in Venezuela
2: yeah and then coming up here it was awkward I mean yeah. <laughs> coming to a big school you're a foreigner in and, your own land. Yeah, and a big just a whole different thing. Not my own land. It wasn't I mean, I was Venezuela, it was always my own land. That's yeah. all I knew. But uh, it was very international. My friend my best friend was Italian and we knew some German people and so it, it was quite universal because many people went to Venezuela to take advantage of the situation. And that's kind of what we're paying for now, what Venezuela's paying for now is that that surge of being the land of opportunity and then um, it just got it's it's really horrible now. My best friend that w- was there till recently. She and her husband finally moved to Spain because that's that was just too much. It's really sad to me. Such uh, a yeah. beautiful country. Do
1: you yeah. ever go back and visit? Have you been able to do shows back in I then, Israel?
2: Did, yes, actually, yes. Uh, um, a couple of times and more recently was, but I guess it was probably over 10 years ago the last time. Yeah, it was sad. The house I grew up in. We had a front yard, and you know, kids could run around. When I went to by there to visit, there was a huge wall, and um, it's just the the diverse, the difference between the rich and the poor is just really horrible. Yeah, and I can't blame them, the people that caused the crimes, but uh, yeah, it was it was really hurtful to see what it had turned into, and it was just all because of all that uh, thing that happened back when my when my dad came in, and you know, that whole group came in. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's a a better ending than other people who have been approached and said, hey, you want to go to Venezuela? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I also read that you uh, performed at the first ever magic festival
2: in Cuba. Oh, that was so great. Oh, my God. It was interesting. I mean, you can look at it one way. You get there and they're so disorganized and this doesn't show up and that doesn't show up. And, you know, uh, but it, the people, what people don't understand is that the, the people that are there, the people that actually live there, there's a certain Latin br- vibe
3: mm-hmm. that
2: that we'll never understand because we don't know It's It's sort of the sadness and the, and the joy that the people have there. Um, so yeah, what can I say? I can say it was a great experience just because it was so different than anything we'd ever done, and they've never had anybody from. Uh, that that's the first and last ever.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're,
2: yeah. Did because you get it was
0: any unexpected reactions to your act that, like, maybe something you know, didn't translate. I mean, your yours is pretty universal because you don't yeah you yeah. don't talk.
2: Yeah, I I I don't think that there was that much difference. I think that the people, the, the audience, had mostly seen videos of magic; they never seen live. So in that sense, it was really a nice thing for them to have. Yeah it was such a life opening experience just to be around people that had never really seen all this stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool. You know, I've been to Cuba a few different times and it is just a a wonderful place to visit and sort of people. What did you do there? Um, Well, I work on cruise ships and so I was on the first American cruise from Miami to Cuba. Um, Mm -hmm. So I did about 10 or 12 cruises in and out of Havana and Santiago Um, Yeah, and then I've also gone on vacation twice on my own.
3: So oh,
2: that's probably much better. We went; we had a few days off, and we went out into the the coffee and and cigar fields, whatever that. uh, And that was just gorgeous. And the people—did you find the people? You know, once you get past the the cruise part, and you get into, you can get a little bit away from that. And you and those taxis. Oh yeah.
3: (laughs)
1: Yeah. I think it's funny because I, I walk, I think I've walked that all, most of Havana. Like I look at my Fitbit at the end of the day, it's like, you've walked more oh, yeah. today than you have in the last three years combined. <laughs> oh,
2: I did that. Yeah. Uh, every day. Then when we weren't on, on on stage, I would spend all day just walking as far as I could. Yeah. Just, it, yeah. It just was get lost really, the, in it. the music up and down the street yeah. and basically the people are just so lovely. Um, and, yeah, it was just really a great experience. Yeah, but, it, it, yeah. Was,
1: it is magical, and it's funny. Like as a juggler, I would see they had you know little, people who juggle like in the intersections and stuff. And there's guys who are so much better than me, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, goodness, that that guy needs to be t- doing my show. You need to tag him out. <laughs> I know. I, hey, yeah. But did you come across any Cuban magicians? Was or was that that just non-existent there? Yeah,
2: no, that no, they had they had their own stars, their own uh, illusionists and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, you could see that they've been watching a lot of videos. Mm. Um, you know, in terms, especially the illusionists. It was kind of that. that that's what I felt. I don't think I remember seeing any comedy magicians. That might have been more interesting to me.
1: Oh yeah. Than, especially yeah. for someone who's who's uh, fluent in Spanish. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of step back a little bit because we we missed the transition from how you went from a guitar player to a magician there's a phase in the middle there that i think we glossed over
2: (laughs) it went pretty quickly so it was so uh surf guitar because that was a big deal back then surf music was what really interested me Mm -hmm. then um once i uh once the band broke up which is like six months after we started (laughs) that was not long lasting but it was certainly impressionable i switched to classical guitar and i really became obsessed with classical guitar and that's what I was. That was my major in college. Then one day I'm, I went to the Renaissance Fair down here at the Paramount Ranch Renaissance Fair. And um, I just saw a mime who happened to have been Robert Shields at the time. He wasn't well yeah. known. You, you guys do know who Robert Shields is, maybe, too?
3: Yeah, uh, well, I
0: looked him up. <laughs>
2: uh, well, back then,
1: if I say no, will I be judged?
2: <laughs> no, no, but, okay. but to me, because that that was such a huge thing, like almost a religious experience, where I just see this guy performing. He did a robot thing,
3: uh-huh.
2: and if you have ever seen a robot act, they got it from Robert Shields. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he really made a huge impression on a lot of people. That's cool. He used to he was at Union Square um, mm-hmm. for a long time, and that's he was really known for there. But he was so magical, and it just talked to everything that I wanted in my life. I'd seen Marcel Marceau when I was a kid in Venezuela, so i that that planted the seed me who uh was really kind of I use the word introvert because that's the easiest word to use, but you know I was just so introverted, and I didn't like to talk and but I wanted to express myself and I didn't know what was wrong and then when I saw Robert first marceau and then Robert, I went. I, that's what I need to do. Yeah, I need to do what that guy's doing. I don't know why or how. What, what am I going to tell my parents? I need to do that. <laughs> so I was really lucky to find a really good teacher. Robert was not available. I went to him afterwards and he says, I don't teach. <laughs> he doesn't <says, "Me laughs> need to. <laughs> One of those guys. I got to know him later. Um, we, had, we hung out together. So he knows this whole story. Um, just became obsessed. And I was just really lucky to be with other minds. So, because, again, started a whole wave, this the whole mind thing. And that just became it for me for about three years. And then about three years into it, mine was starting to get a bad reputation. Mm. Did you ever hear about that part? Well, uh, that mine well, became
0: uncool. Uh, I think I've lived that in that world.
2: <laughs> oh, you lived it? Oh, okay. Well, no, I know. It's the,
0: it's the world I live in. <laughs> yeah, because it did well, have mine quite had a big a bad boom.
2: reputation because here's what happened. I wasn't the only one that saw Robert Shields. Quite a few other people were had that same reaction except they just figured they put on white face and chase people around and then you know that would be it
3: mm-hmm. that's a
2: mime and that made it a bad thing so anyway mime was becoming as we call it the mime menace mm-hmm. right about that time that i was um trying to figure out what i was going to do next i went to the magic castle a friend of mine a magician who was a street performer. Yeah, i was a street performer by the way that's how i um stuck with mime i was able to you know, make enough coins to be in an apartment and get myself a Volkswagen and Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Your professional mime.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I I got the work without having to, you know, like audition. (laughs) (laughs) I was auditioning every day, I guess.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, that
2: was really lucky that that fit me that being on the street. Uh, at least for long enough. What, you have a question?
1: Oh, I was gonna say, did mime come naturally to you? Or was it something that you had to really, really work at? I mean, some people have natural inclinations, you know, based on their personality towards certain genres or acting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did that fit your personality? Or was it something you really I must had, to
2: have dive had into? something? I have, must have had something that related to that, because it I mean, nothing, nothing comes easy. It should, I don't expect it to come easy, but I, it seemed to fit me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, but the problem was, okay, I want to be a mime. Now, what, how can I be a mime? I mean, I'm, there's no jobs for mimes, but since, you know, i would seen that Robert was on the street and he was doing pretty well. I thought, well, I'm just going to put on my raggedy Ann costume and Mm -hmm. go on the street and see what happens. I mean, that was not me. My mom was shocked. She was happy. She made my costume but um she which means it's nice support you know yeah, yeah absolutely um she uh yeah so it just worked and if if i had to do that now if you told me to put on a costume and go on the street and perform there's no way i could do it oh, I, have my no, God. I don't oh. I have any of that in me anymore um so, so the street taught me so much and also i worked with we had the la mom company we formed this group and that went pretty well. We did some colleges and did a few couple of TV shows, uh, TV series. So that was a big help too. as to be with the group.
0: What what TV um, series did you do? Um, I saw you were on um, Wonder was, Woman.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I did a few spots. Wonder Woman and Man from Atlantis. I did a, spots on that. Um, then um, with a the company, we were Dick Van Dyke had a variety show for uh, one season, which we got cut off. It was 12 shows and they cut us off on the 10th show, which was, um, that was an amazing show, uh, a variety show for him. And it was great. I don't know why it never made it, but that's where Andy Kaufman was discovered because he was also, it was the Elder Mind Company and Andy Kaufman. Oh, that's cool. And Andy Kaufman got all the attention, and we just ended up just being extras a lot of the time. <laughs> we got we had a few skits that we did, which are on record somewhere. So anyway, we did that, and then we did a few of um, Don Kirshner's rock concert. he used to do shows mostly musicians, but he would put uh, other variety acts on as well. So that was really cool. That's
3: great. Um,
2: so that was just such a that was just great education, great fun, great, um, very emotional time for me. And, and it was great, but mine was just really starting to not be cool anymore. Mm. And that's when my friend who was also a street performer, who was a street guy, I mean, who was a a magician, street magician, uh, just invited me to Magic Castle, which I knew about because I used to drive by there on my way to school every day.
3: Yeah. It's a big,
1: big uh, sort of uh, Victorian house on a hill in Hollywood. And it's a magic specific venue. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. And. I went in there and I just said, "Uh-oh, I, 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 am in love with this place. I have to work here." Yeah. So the next day, this is so weird. I had so much guts those days. I called (laughs) the magic castle. I mean, I'd
3: never do that now. I just
2: kind of—it's so weird, but I'm glad. So uh, the next day, I go. I couldn't get my mind off it. I said, "I have to work there. I can do something there. I mean, I got to have money. Like, I'm a mime. I can, I can work there." Yeah. And they were just kind of the guy that the, the guy in charge at the time owner, I guess, Bill, Bill Larson, I actually talked to. And I said, I said, I would really like to work at the Magic Castle. And he says, yeah. And I said, I'm a mime. And he goes, well, I'm sorry, you have to be a magician. And I'm I'm thinking for a minute. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. I hung up the <laughs> phone. And I started thinking, okay, I got to put magic into this mime act. How, how hard is that? And it was a challenge, but yeah. I had enough support from my, um, my both of my mime and my magic friends to actually be able to put magic into a act, ah. And that made me a novelty. And that made me, you know, kind of different. And yeah. was this so, the act so,
0: with the, the eyeballs?
2: That's correct. Multiplying eyeballs. Yeah. I,
0: that
3: eyeballs. made me laugh
1: yes. out loud, by the way. Thank you for
3: <laughs> it uh, makes making me my day. At the yeah, it was it was really, really
1: cool. <laughs> so I would imagine you were probably the only person combining those two genres, magic and mime. Doug
2: Henning. No, Doug Henning was the innovator of that. And I didn't know of Doug Henning at the time. Do you remember Doug Henning?
0: Yeah, I met him right before he died. Yeah, I don't know who. Oh
2: yeah, I met him while he was in his height. We I was almost on one of his shows, but that didn't work out because he he met me and he was also fascinated because hey, we're we're the, probably the only two people around that do magic and mime together. Oh, so, cool. we, you know, we had a nice friendship there for a while. Um, but but yeah, it was different enough that it's, you know, magic does need variety. And certainly it was just really nice that I could do that. And um, yeah, and that went on for a few years until I decided that if I I was already going to I was turning 30 and I'm thinking, I don't think I should be doing a little doll act at the age of 30 or 40. And it was kind of a really hard time for me to make a transition. And then I was finally able to transition into the cleaning lady um, Actor because that's kind of ageless, mm. so I thought that that would be a good place to go, so I wouldn't have to worry about age issues, you know.
0: Well, and that's smart, and that's to. something other performers we've talked to have mentioned is like, especially like acrobats, is they're starting to age out of their show.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, and you you don't you don't have to age out; you have to just sort of age appropriate, you know. Um, yes, and it's possible; it's a challenge, but you have to decide how much performing means to you, and it, and it it does. I mean. I'm kind of, you know, this pandemic has kind of shown me that I don't have to do it, which is good. I don't, I've seen performers that just kind of go kicking and screaming, thinking I still have to perform and makes me sad. So I'm kind of dealing with it. Okay. It doesn't mean I'll never perform again, but it just means that I can, if I have to let go, I can let go.
0: Yeah. It looks yeah. like you're dealing with it, uh, based on your Facebook, doing some goat yoga. Oh yeah. You, uh, I saw oh, some, gosh, you got, some yeah, goat yoga pictures.
2: pictures. Didn't expect that. <laughs>
1: Wait, do you have goats? Is, are those your no, goats?
2: I, I was asked by a good friend uh, who, who was once as a birthday present to his, his another friend, a mutual friend. He said, he knows he knew that I'd teach yoga. And he says, do you, would you, do you teach goat yoga? And I said, are you kidding? I went, That's stupid. I don't, don't want to <laughs> do that. But he happens to be a really close friend. So I said, OK, you know what? I'll do it for you. Uh, You know what do I do? And then I looked into it and I wrote the the goat the goat lady, (laughs) I call her the goat whisperer. (laughs) And I just thought, well, I got to kind of loosen up anyway because I'm so serious. And we just hit it off. I taught that one class for her for my friend, and then she started calling me, and then I started getting ideas. Like you know, we should make combine it with especially with the pandemic because you can't do that in a studio anymore. Mm -hmm. So I said, what if we combine? Because I love hiking too. I said. And it's the thing, I mean, I'm going to find out what I want to do and then see. And what I would love to do is first to, to um, go hiking and goats are really fun to hike with. So I said, can we do a thing where we have goat yoga and we do a hike at the same time? And she said, well, let's try it. So that's what we've been doing. You know, that's been our little thing. So and you take the goats
1: just, with you up a hike? So and then. At yeah, the very- or
2: what? Let's well, call it a nature walk. We don't. Have, we haven't done any heavy duty hiking because some people, not the goats are fine, but not a lot of people are that um athletic or you know they yeah. they'll be complaining so so this is good it's more like that we find different parks that we can that are pretty quiet <laughs> and, and do you leash the, the goats
1: are they on leashes what? or
2: do you uh, no Uh, These goats, that's the thing. I learned so much about this that especially I'll give Michelle all the credit because she, as I said, she's the goat whisperer. They look at her like she's a god and they'll do whatever. (laughs) That's awesome. Also, also because she carries treats with her. I
1: mean, (laughs) there you go. She's cheating a little
2: bit. But she takes it, we take them, we're close to a street. We put them on a leash just because they get distracted sometimes. Uh They, They look at something and they run after it, and we have to make sure that doesn't happen. But once we get off the street, We take the leashes off. They see us going to a yoga pose. They know that they can jump on our back (laughs) and they see, you know, and so they know they can crawl under our legs. And so I I use, I teach poses that are goat friendly. (laughs) And I
1: didn't think I'd hear that. I
2: mean, I've never heard that. I mean, this is stuff that happens to me that I, I never, up until that moment where I, where I taught that first class, I never dreamed that that would be my, my present future, but you know, thanks to Facebook. I get that question a lot. <laughs> oh, I see you have goats. <laughs> but it's one of those things where I can actually help people. Cause I've been really into teaching yoga because um, I like to really help people feel better. I see how a lot of, especially in the pandemic, you're not, people aren't taking care of their bodies. They're just sitting there and you know eating yeah. uh, and I'm finding yoga has been a savior for me. I practice a lot every day and then I teach every day. Uh, on Zoom, a couple of live classes, but it's such so good for the body. And then you add goats to that, so I can um, help people. Adjust. You know, I, I'm all about aligning, being your know, spinal alignment. Yeah. So I can talk about spinal alignment, and then the goats come and they step up. They they crawl on their backs. I said, okay, now here's where you can use your core, pull the navel in, you know, and get them <laughs> to really strengthen themselves by the fact that they have a 20 pound goat on top of their back. <laughs> that, so it's kind of been it's been amazing. really fun it's been really fun. And again, never anticipate stuff I'm doing now. I, I never, you know, I never, um, I would think about maybe like with the harp, I play the harp also. That took me about 20 years to decide to finally start playing.
3: Well, like
1: you said, every 10 years you're trying, you know, you kind of fall into something new. It seems like it hits
2: me every 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The harp hit me. My friend that was in the band, the high, the band in high school, she was piano player at the time. And then she turned to harp and I turned, she turned to harp when I turned to classical guitar. So I envied her that whole time since high school that she took up the harp and I didn't. Ah. So when I turned, (laughs) when I turned 40, this is how many years later, between 18 and 40, I turned 40 and I said, I need to go back to what I said I always wanted to do. So she gave me harp lessons and then I got really hooked. And so I really got on that. Yeah.
1: And it looks like you play the harp in some of your shows or you play it behind other magicians.
2: Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Anything.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to write this jugglers. bad boy up on of my yeah. taxes.
2: <laughs> I played for jugglers and magicians Ooh. and for singers. And uh, yeah, I was, worked with some in Germany, some really cool jugglers. We did a show together. We were a couple of varieties together. And that was really nice. I don't know if you have uh, Andreas Vessels. And um, I don't know if you know. He's a really nope. great uh, juggler from Berlin. And um, so, yeah, I just found ways of sticking the harp into my other part of my life.
1: How did the um, goats respond that, to the harp?
2: They don't go near the harp. <laughs> okay.
1: uh, yeah, that might be dangerous. I have my
2: I have my limits. Goats chew on anything.
0: Yes. So they
2: will not they will never see a harp. So that is one thing I have not been able to put together.
0: My goats to, to put those two things. Together. In 10 years? That's what that. <laughs> <I put>.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, my my yeah,
0: The way that you
1: use music in your show is it's really well thought out. Mm-hmm. You play your own music, but you also in the routines, you have uh, recorded music and it's yes. segments. It's it's short segments of different songs. Yes. When you're designing a routine and you're sort of selecting the music to sort of, you know, highlight what you're doing. Are there certain mm-hmm. things that you're looking for or?
2: I can take that at the I don't select the music. The music selects me. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. If, especially in the in my scarf and ring act, mm-hmm. uh, because that there's a song by Stevie Wonder. If it's magic. Yeah. Yep. And when I first heard that song, probably when it came out, which would have been in the seventies. I just flipped over the song and I kept thinking I've got to do something movement wise to that song mm-hmm. and it never happened. And then all these years later, and this is like in the turn of like in 2002 or something when I was playing, when I was thinking I needed to expand from, you know, Montman is a story oriented mm-hmm. act. I wanted to do an act that was what this act is called, the scarf and rings. It's called simply magic, two rings and a scarf. That's it. Yeah. So I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to do a very beautiful, in this case, it was the, you know, like the serpent silk. I love the Mm -hmm. serpent silk. What can I do with the serpent silk? So it ended up going that, the, the if it's magic um, song is what inspired me. I had a lot of help from friends too. I'm kind of giving the short story here, (laughs) but um, that, that music inspired me to play with a scarf. I would not have played with the scarf. I hadn't heard that music. Ah. Yeah, and then the rings—that's uh, a Piazzolla uh, tango uh, piece played by Yo-Yo Ma, who's just brilliant, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd heard that music, and I knew I wanted to do something with two rings. So I went back to—I'd had it—I had a CD of that from a couple of years before, and I listened to that, and I just started listening to different tango pieces by by Piazzolla by um, Yo-Yo Ma on the CD. And I just started playing with rings and seeing how those two could work together. So basically, they're completely like intertwined, which is, I think, what should, magic and music should be. If it, like, there's too many magicians that just put on a piece of music and just kind of don't even listen yeah. to it while they're playing. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I mean, but
0: it's almost um, like it's a character within the bit.
2: It has the third there's, there's the person, the trick, and the music. Those three have to have the same importance. Yeah, and so that so that it looks like one thing. So you don't. It's very hard to combine two art forms and not have them bump into each other. Mm. Like for example, I was playing the harp and I wanted to do card manipulations so while I was playing the harp. So it would look like I would be pulling the cards out of the harp strings, mm-hmm. which sounds good, but my hands cramped and my music sounded terrible. So I was gonna. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> I was going to sacrifice two things. To make one thing, yeah. So you know, it has to be a synergy, and it's really hard to find. I mean, I've been doing this all these years, and all I get, all I have, for it is two seven-minute acts. Actually, three seven-minute acts, if you include the doll act, which is long gone.
1: But those, but I mean, those think, acts will last forever. They're they're timeless, almost. I hope so. I yeah, think I so. Yeah. I I'm almost forty, and I perform at colleges, and every time I perform at, col- at college, I'm just like this has got to be my last one. This has got to be my last one. This has to be my last one. And I just, I, I can feel it every single time. I'm like, I maybe got like six more of these left, but when I watch mm. you, I'm like, it doesn't feel like there's a timestamp on it. It just yeah. feels like it can carry on.
2: Oh, well, there is. I mean, for me, I, Mop Man was only going to be three years now that I'm into my 34th year. of it, <laughs> I really did not. I'm not proud of that. I'm not, pr- I, I was, um, you know, I'm not. Pro- in fact, I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts where you had Tim first on. He's uh-huh. talking about all the, all the shows they did, um, all the new shows that came up. I mean, God, what I wish I wish I was had that kind of ability. Right. I have a very limited thing. You know.
1: Well, I think it's something about like early in your career when you might not know better. Even you referenced it too yeah. about like going out on the street or calling the Magic Castle. It's like you're just a little yeah. bit you don't know <laughs> any better.
3: Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah, you don't yeah. know if it's good or bad, but now it's like, you know it's bad. So you're like, oh. It's, but, I,
2: yeah. I mean, you're... Isn't it funny? When you really want to do something, you don't worry about whether you're going to be good or bad at it. You just do it. Yeah. And yeah. then it start, and then it gets to a point where you go, am I good at this? Which, you know, I do that to myself a lot. And I go, no, I can't, I can't ask myself that. I, I have to ask myself, do I really want to do this? Will this bring, will this enrich me? Mm-hmm. And in turn, maybe it will enrich others who can experience it with me. Yeah. But, um, yeah.
1: Well, and it does enrich people. Even Louie right here yeah. testifying to.
2: Yeah, but you know, that's, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm very grateful. I really am. Um, it's just that I wish that I had more of that in me. That yeah. All these years that I'm still kind of, I don't, I don't want to say stuck because it's not a nice word, but I mean, I want to, um, I wish that I had more of whatever that is.
1: Yeah. Well it seems yeah, like you know going through you know this stuff about you is that you are part of these casts of shows with so many amazing performers and the sort of connections and bonds you've probably created over the years by being in ensemble shows. I mean, that's worth a million, million. It's
2: worth more than I could ever imagine. You know, so grateful that I'm not still working at that mortgage company. (laughs)
0: Did you ever send the mortgage company a note of you? Oh, they're dead.
2: They're all dead. I mean, they're all dead. If they haven't died physically, they're dead in their brain. They all had
0: aneurysm. Um, so
2: I can't I mean I'm, I'm so happy that you said that because that is exactly how I feel and I'm always I'm hard on myself which I think is okay I don't you know want to be having that you know, I'm great or anything but I, of course I love performing but my probably as much as I love it I love watching other performers and then you know that brings me a little bit to the moisture festival yeah. I don't know if we are too soon but no um, that's good because that goes so far back um Right. I, this would have been a little after the street. After I'd finally got on stage a little bit, I start. I met some of these people like Tim first. Um, I think, I saw the Flying Karamazov Brothers, um, audition at in San in San Francisco at the Magic Cellar. I don't know if I'm right about that, but that's when I first saw them. There was three of them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, and then for me to meet Tim at all, after all those years, and then that I knew um, the the casters from Germany. I worked mm. with them in Berlin, and then Haki, who I knew from from the from the chameleon i'd go see those shows after we were done and of course tom naughty who contacted me to come to the uh, festival i'd heard about it all those years and i really wanted to come up to it but i didn't know who to contact and how do you do that and then when tom called me i just was like oh i was so happy i hope i can come and somehow i was accepted and that was just really exciting. Somehow and you're some, some, somehow that does,
1: doesn't matter.
3: That you're amazing. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> uh, it, so you being
1: amazing had something to do with it. I think.
2: Well, thank you for saying that. I wasn't thinking that at the time. I was thinking, God, am I? But then, and then getting there, and and that's where I realized that we're all there because it brings us back to why we want to be performers yeah. in the first place. Thing is that when we start, we get all excited about expressing something uh, ourselves on um, stage. And then it becomes a job. And then we start thinking about that and, you know, the money, how much should I ask for with all this and that. And, um, and then we forget a little bit for a little while. Anyway, I hadn't forgotten it for too long that this is our love. We just happened to get, but I said, I, this is what I do. So I don't have to get a job. Yep. And so that being there, I was there twice. I did the two different acts on different times. And it was just such a joy to be back there, that backstage and, and the way we were treated our hosts and um, all the, the great food, of course, and uh, seeing people that I, that I admired from a distance, there they are watching. So I, it was so great. And I really hope that happens again. Yeah. It's such a, a Great. Yeah.
1: It will for sure. And you know, mm-hmm. we're blessed to have you at the moisture festival and are there other <laughs> um, venues or performances that you've done in your career that you look back on? You're like, wow, I can't believe I did that, or wow, that was a magical experience.
2: Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm so much in the present. Like you mentioned Cuba. I wasn't even thinking about that um,
3: <laughs> when you mentioned
2: it. So I don't think in the past I you know I okay. should be able to recollect better. But there's been a lot. My experiences in Germany and the varietes were always great, Lisa. You know, but after a couple of months, they weren't always so great. But um, <laughs> Always when you first walk in and you're doing rehearsal, that to me, the most fun time is just doing the rehearsals because you can goof a little bit. You don't have to like be exactly what you're going to do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all been great. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'll well, say it, that. It seems
1: like a very full career. I mean, it seems like, you know, you've seen, seen the world, this, this act has taken you around the world. You've met incredible yeah. people, giving you incredible yeah. opportunities mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's given you a, a platform to do the things that you love, you know, yeah, physical yeah. movement, music.
0: Mm-hmm. It's freed um, up your time for goat yoga, <laughs> goat yoga. You married, you
1: married us of a performer. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, how fantastic of a uh, story is
3: that?
2: F- I'm, I'm blessed. I really am. I'm really happy that I'm doing. It. As I said, the only my only. I'm really. I, I get frustrated with myself. That's all. I, but I'm, I'm getting over that because I really want to be good. I want to be all those things you say I am, but I don't feel that I am. <laughs> and if I felt that I am,
0: but that's how you know you so, are because you're saying you're not.
2: No, but <laughs> see, as soon as I start thinking, oh, I'm great. I'm amazing. That takes away the whole reason for being. Well, you know yeah, I'm saying? of
1: course. Yeah. It's important to stay yeah. humble. Well, I always and say, go out there and try. I always say if one person calls you a goat yoga instructor, think nothing of it. <laughs> if two people call you a goat yoga instructor, you might I be am. a goat yoga instructor.
2: Okay. Especially if I keep posting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you probably notice I'm obsessed with cats if you're online. Oh, internet. I
1: didn't notice any of the cat pictures.
2: Three cats, yeah, go on Instagram. you see the stupidest pictures pictures of cats that you'll ever see, but hey, that's, that's what I'm with every day. And of course, Mike, you know got you guys know Mike Caney he's are um I know that you asked to him to um, yeah, and yeah, he, he might he's been really busy writing a book on oh. the history of sawing sawing and half tricks.
0: <laughs> so. naturally.
2: <laughs> I that's, see. That's normal life for me. I don't
0: know. <laughs> Does he ever ask you like, "Hey, can you type this up real quick"?
2: Do you? No, I, I proofread. That's good enough. Oh,
0: there you go. But
2: he's really good on. He's really good on the keyboard. That's good.
1: When we were doing shows, do you travel internationally with your harp? How do you carry that around? No,
2: that I've always able to been able to rent harps wherever I go, especially okay. Germany. That's where I used it mostly. And, um, yeah, Germany's got a lot of harps over there. So I, I had someone that I would contact and she'd ship it over to her, actually drive it over to me, depending on what city I was in. So that was never an issue. Oh, you know what I do now? Just uh, I decided to downsize. No, I'm really obsessed with the ukulele. Oh. As an instrument, not as a toy. I've discovered that it's got amazing um, sound to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I've been experimenting with that a lot. So that's kind of a nice challenge. Is that something I you're think bringing
1: I'd, on stage with you?
2: I have a couple of times. Yeah, I do a couple of funny things with that. But lately no because that ukulele is still kind of new for me. So, but yeah, I do I do do that. I I think I had some posts on um yeah, Facebook has a few posts of me playing the uke.
0: Cool. Yeah, you've got one on your Instagram. Now, your cat is a ginger cat.
2: <laughs> I got three of them.
0: Okay, so I see two ginger cats. At least three. three? Okay, oh, there's one in a garbage I got, can. It's
2: hard to get them all three together. When they sleep, sometimes I can get them all three together. So
0: Matt just got, got a ginger cat. I did. And oh my
2: God, they're just they're like gods. <laughs> you know, they think they they think they are. They, okay, yes, they
0: think gods. that's exactly
1: yeah. right.
2: They don't know. They know they're gods. They don't think it. <laughs>
1: we don't want to take up all your time, so we, we'll just fire okay. through some some quick questions that we wrote Please.
2: down. Of course.
1: Um One question was. Since um, a lot of your stuff is to music and choreographed, uh, Louis was curious, uh, has the Internet or YouTube affected your ability to book work with people's access to seeing the act itself, or has it in, maybe enhanced it?
2: Mm. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of it. You know where I get most of my work? This is crazy. Is from from men who saw me when they were a little kid. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: some nostalgia oh, for them
2: i think so i i, I think back you know one of the yeah that one of the most fun shows i've ever done was exactly a year ago mike and i were both in at the um, circo Prise in madrid for a month with a really great cast and it was such a great show and he's just a great guy jorge blas is his name and yeah he 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 went to all the fisms and he went, he went to one fism where he saw me and he you know we got to be friends over the last 20 years so that that is, and then I, every time I think of a show that I really love doing, was related somehow to that. Huh? That's, um,
1: that's amazing.
2: Yeah. So I don't know to answer your question. I don't know. It helps, I guess that 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 I get that that's probably where most people have seen me, which yeah. is too bad because the act that I do is much better live. Um oh, I can But imagine. anyway, they yeah yeah it is.
1: Uh, another question but, was when you were coming up there probably wasn't a lot of women in magic mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. do you feel uh, how do you feel the state of magic women in magic is today and do you, do you feel like nothing, you maybe pioneered
3: that
2: no it's nothing I ever even thought about um, until it brought it was brought up to me and then now I just I think it's so irrelevant because i um i realized, you know, like I said, I was interested in magic because I wanted to connect it with mine and I wanted to work at the Magic Castle. That's not gender thought thinking at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's just kind of our society, our thinking this day is always looking for things like that. But uh, for me, it's always, if anything else, it's been a great advantage because I do things differently. It's still magic, but it's different. I, I hope I bring something new into the art. And so it's been probably a huge advantage. I think that it would have been much harder for me if I'd have been a guy trying to get in. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And then do you still practice? Which one? Your act?
2: No, no. That's been in in its case for over a year. Uh. Both, both acts. I don't, I don't. And that's not a good or a bad thing. I'm just not, that's not me anymore. It's me on stage. But uh, what I I do practice, I practice my harp and my ukulele every day and yoga. Those three things I make a sure thing to do and then i jog also so i stay physically strong uh and i love practicing but not those anymore Ah. so and i practice yoga because i found that um that teaching yoga makes me feel really good because i can see the improvement how people Mm. can benefit from it yeah so that's really my my thinking right now is how to pass on the the feeling good feeling good in your body thing That's that's really my um goal right now yeah to to help people feel good in their bodies So that's it. And, and the harp, I still find interesting. And I find the ukulele super interesting because you're so limited. You have four strings and you have to make music with four strings. I don't, (laughs) I sing, but not, I mean, I don't have a singing voice, but there's a couple of songs I like to sing, but playing instrumentals on a ukulele is really an amazing, beautiful challenge. And that's kind of, I'm always working on a new song to do that. That's amazing.
1: And does, does your guitar chops or harp chops, chops translate over to the ukulele mm. or is it learning like a whole nother skill
2: the guitar and the uke are more related in terms of technique so i got a i have good classical guitar technique that's really helped me because i can play pretty quickly i mean i don't have to worry about learning hand technique the harp is a whole different technique Harps closer to a piano mm. in terms of the, the the range and the technique is really different from the heart from the guitar your, your hands are in a whole different position but the knowledge of music is what matters if i play something on the harp it's much easier for me to go on the ukulele and play because I already have the the chords and the melody and the feel of the song in my brain. Ah. Um, so music, uh, and that's why I was so glad that I was a music major because uh, you learn all that harmony, which is really interesting. Harmony, harmonial. What do you call it? Yeah, harmon- <laughs> harmonial direction. <laughs> I can't think of the word. There's a really nice word for that. Um, Tonal gravity, maybe that's it. Tona, things, how you go from—is not that a nice sound yeah, That to is nice. Gravity? I just remember that. It's my new Meaning band that, name. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> I love that. What 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 that means to me is it how everything. This is like it's like life. You know what happens before relates to what's happening now, and that happened that relates to the next thing. So that's how music is. That's how magic. That's how mind. All these things that I do are one thing leads to another, and you have to choose that path that works for you.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, it's it's been, yeah. I, I was, one of my favorite things today was being able to spend an hour and look through all your videos and <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. And the, I don't know if the character was called Raggedy Ann. Is that kind of a Raggedy Ann character? Um,
2: I called it the, yeah, it was a Raggedy Ann doll, but it wasn't a rag doll. It was more like a mechanical doll. Yeah, thing. yeah. So, uh, yeah it was a mechanical doll, but, but the Raggedy Ann character seemed to work for me. Yeah. And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it made me laugh out loud during our lunch break today. So I have to thank you for that. And, wait, what uh,
2: made you? Ma- what wait, to go back. What made you
3: laugh
1: out loud? Uh, the eye- when you had the eyeball in your mouth. Oh, the eyeball. And then oh, you my close, God, close one eye, so the bu- the eyeball in theory is moving back and forth between your mouth and your actual eye. Yes.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, see. Okay. I got. I got to say something really quick about that. Okay. Uh, that was a skill that I had since I was a kid. Really. And I moving think I your eyeball to I- your
1: mouth and then back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no, uh being able to close one eyelid and not the other one, ah, you notice the other eye stayed still,
1: yeah, oh yeah, it so did
2: all, all that doll act was was whatever mime techniques that I love mime technique, and it's very related to yoga now because it's about isolating the body and for mime, it's for expression for yoga, mm. it's for health, ah. you know, you just become aware of each part of your body and which way it's meant to move and how you want to move it, so that's where the yoga and the mime really fit together, um, but with the eye thing. For some reason, one of my eyelids has this little special muscle in there so I can close my eye without the other one moving. So that became how I made a living, which I think is pretty funny, that little things that you do That's when you were a kid, take them, bring them back into Absolutely. you because they've worked adulthood. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why you're getting all the work is because something from a kid they're bringing back <laughs> into adulthood.
2: <laughs> Look at almost any, and I'm sure your work, I'm sure has something to do with that too, where these little things that really you, you found like really, you're really curious about when you were a kid and you managed to find the skills to do these things. And that's what made you who you are. Yeah. It's all that paying attention to. Yeah, yeah, that to the past.
1: Well, it's been a treat to talk to you. If people want to find out more information about you, how should they get in contact with you?
2: I am so not marketable. Um, <laughs> uh, Facebook. I just have a Facebook page. If they want to look at that and send me a message, that's fine. I appreciate that. And you're on if Instagram. That's as far as I get.
1: And you're yeah, all over we'll YouTube. To show off my cat. And uh, lots of, there's tons of interviews with you. So I'm glad that we oh, were able to, it, well, We found a bunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. So
3: we're glad yeah, that you could do I it with do us. Something,
2: I, I, no, I'm really glad because this is really meaningful to me because I don't talk too much. And then, you know, when somebody gets me to talk, I guess I really get off. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I'm really grateful. I'm, I'm especially since it's the Moisture Festival because it's been a big thing for me um, just to, to, to be a part of it. Yeah. And we're lucky
1: to have you in a, you know, I'm sure we'll see you again. Hopefully, hopefully soon when all this passes over. Yes.
2: I'll, I'll be right there. If I hear from you, I'll sign up and be there. Awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Tina, for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
2: So yeah, Matt and Louise, thank you so much for doing this. And I'll be listening to your other pods too now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Tina. folks I want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast real quick the moisture festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable and
0: And they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there.
1: Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium (laughs) at Hales Ales. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called the Odd and Off
0: Beat podcast. That's where we talk about strange news stories of the day. You can hear us chat about all things weird. Absolutely. You can do that
1: at on and or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out about us individually where we're performing at you can find Louie at louiefox.com and that's with two X's.
0: And Matt's at comedystuntshow.com that's spelt regularly.
1: <laughs> so we would like to thank you so much for listening, so much for your time and we hope to see you at the Moisture Festival soon. Be well.
0: Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival
1: Podcast and stay moist.